Tonight we're looking at Leviticus chapters 8, 9, and 10. And I know what you're thinking already. Pastor John, you're trying to bite off more than you can chew. Actually, I don't believe I am. The Spirit can get a hold of me and always lengthen these things, get me going down some other direction. But actually, in my tablets, my notes that I have, I have less notes than I normally do when I teach. So I've been trying to kind of condense this, but also move us through the book of Leviticus. In many ways, we have studied some of these things with the anointing of Aaron and his sons. We'll look at in chapter 8. And the priestly ministry beginning in chapter 9. And then we've already seen some of this already recorded for us in Leviticus and in the book of Exodus. Because God's already described to Moses how he wanted these things to take place. Now we actually have the record, the record, the recording of this event in the nation of Israel. So in Exodus... God explained to Moses how he wanted these things to take place. In Leviticus here, especially in chapters 8 and 9, we have the record of these events taking place of Aaron and his sons being consecrated to serve as priests in Israel. And that Hebrew word that's translated for us as consecration, it literally, literally means a setting of a stone. So you think of a setting of a stone, something that's permanent. I have uh, some diamonds in my wedding band here, and I've only lost one, and I had it replaced when it was lost. It looked kind of odd when it was missing its stone. And the setting of the stone, you think of something that has a permanence, and it is true, because Aaron, the Arianic line was where the priests came from. They didn't switch up priests unless they were being unfaithful to God, which the northern kingdom of Israel did. But the kingdom of Judah always stayed faithful, and the priestly line always came from the sons of Aaron. So the setting of a stone, the consecration. And here we have the ordination of the priesthood for Aaron and his sons, positions that were for life. So I chose two verses as the key verse in Leviticus 8, but it's not one verse, it's two, verses 22 and 23. And then he brought the second ram, the ram of consecration. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and Moses killed it. Also, he took some of its blood, and he put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. And we studied this in the book of Exodus, God telling Moses what he was supposed to do. Now we read of Moses being obedient to the word of the Lord and anointing Aaron and his sons with this blood, but specific body parts mentioned, the right ear, the right thumb, and the right big toe. And we'll talk about that, and we already have when we study the book of Exodus, but I'll remind, give you a reminder of it when we get to that section in verses 22 and 23. So we begin with a gathering to anoint Aaron and his sons in verses 1 through 4. We find the call in verses 1 through 3 where God commanded Moses to take Aaron and his four sons, their priestly garments, the anointing oil, a bull and two rams, 
and unleavened bread and to gather all the congregation of Israel at the door of the tabernacle for the consecrating of Aaron and his sons as the priest. In verse 4 it tells us, So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And the congregation was gathered together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Since the current and future generations of Israel, they needed a mediator, it became the priest or the role of the priest, especially that of the high priest, to stand between the children of Israel and our holy God. The author of Hebrews wrote about the need of a mediator in Hebrews 5, verses 1 through 4, saying, Every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. So that's the duty, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. In verse 2, Hebrews 5, he can have... Compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to him, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So basically the author of Hebrews is setting up an argument that Christ Jesus became our great high priest, but he uses the example from the Old Testament of Aaron as the high priest and those who followed after him uh, throughout the years of the nation of Israel as the high priest before the Lord, that these men were sinners and they not only offered sacrifice for the people, but they had to offer sacrifices for themselves. The earthly high priests, although revered by Israel, were taken from among men. They were from among the brethren of Israel. And originally God desired in Exodus 19.6 that Israel would be a nation of priests. A nation of priests, a holy nation, an example to the world. But the people rejected God's plan Therefore God raised up Aaron and his sons from among their brethren to serve as priests over the people. But only one could serve that role as high priest. This duty first fell to Aaron, then to Phinehas and his sons after him. The problem with the priests is that although they were offering daily sacrifices to the Lord, these sacrifices could merely cover their sins and could never, Hebrews 10:11, never take away sins. So the sacrifices that the priest would offer were merely a covering, which is good, but they could never completely do the work that Christ alone could do. So in 5 through 13, we find the anointing of Aaron and his sons. And I'm not going to read all these verses. In fact, I'm just going to summarize this section for you. Once the people were gathered, Aaron and his sons were washed. Moses clothed Aaron in his high priestly garments. Then Moses anointed the tabernacle, its furnishings, its utensils, with this special anointing oil that was only used by the priests there at the temple. And before anointing Aaron as the high priest, he clothed Aaron 
anointed him as the high priest. Afterwards, he clothed Aaron's sons in their priestly garments, and they that they might serve along their da- alongside their dad. They were anointed with this anointing oil, as the book of Numbers tells us, Numbers 7, 1. And it came to pass when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle that he anointed it, consecrated it, and all its furnishings, and the altar, and all its utensils. So he anointed them and consecrated them. Just as Aaron and his sons were consecrated in their service to the Lord, the tabernacle, all of its furnishings, its utensils, were first consecrated by the anointing oil. So we read about that in verses 5 through 13, that the anointing oil was used to consecrate the tabernacle and all the furnishings and their uh, implements of service, as well as Aaron, his robe, Aaron's sons and their robes, their priestly garments. Then the sacrifices were made. He offered three sacrifices, a sin, burnt, and consecration offerings. Verses 14 through 30, we read of these three different sacrifices, which consisted of one bull and two rams. So the bull was for the sin offering. In verses 14 through 17, we read about this. After presenting the bull before the Lord by bringing it to the tabernacle of meeting, Aaron and his sons, they laid their hands upon the head of the bull to symbolize the transfer of their sin, their sins to this animal. Then Moses killed the animal Leviticus 4, 6 tells us that he dipped his fingers into the blood, sprinkled some of it seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. The reason I drop back to Leviticus chapter 4 is because there in chapter 4, we learned how they were to conduct a sin offering. And so even though here in Leviticus 8, it doesn't go into great detail on that, we find that the detail has already been given to us in Scripture. Some of the remainder of the blood was put upon the horns of the altar, of the altar of incense in the holy place. The rest was poured out at the base of the bronze altar there in the courtyard of the tabernacle. And it was an offering for sin. In Romans 8, verses 3 and 4, it says, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On the account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So first, they offered a sin offering. Second, they offered a burnt offering. This is one of the rams, one of two rams now used, one of the rams used as the burnt offering that we learned about the burnt offering in Leviticus chapter 1. And so it's fairly easy um, in the first five chapters of Leviticus. Chapter 1 is the burnt offering, chapter 2 the grain offering, Uh, Chapter 3, the peace offering. Chapter 4, the sin offering. Chapter 5, the trespass offering. Chapter 6 and 7, we have reviews of those five offerings. And now we see them being implemented 
for Aaron and his sons. And so the burnt offering, it symbolized a worshiper's total consecration or dedication to the Lord. And this is an offering of consecration, a total consecration or dedication to the Lord. When considering the burnt offering, I'm reminded of the costly and messy sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, who in obedience to his Father, Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Therefore, we as worshipers, like Aaron and his sons, our sins have been laid upon Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Aaron and his sons, they had to put their hand on the animal's head to signify a transfer of their sins toward that animal's. Jesus did this, that not only our sins would be atoned for, but that we might consecrate our lives to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus paid the price that we could not afford, that we might have true fellowship with God. So the offering of consecration in verses 22 through 30, the final ram is offered here. In addition to the offering of the consecration, the blood being sprinkled around the altar, it was also placed upon Aaron and his sons upon their right ears, their right thumbs, and their right big toes. Some of the blood along with the anointing oil then was sprinkled upon their garments to consecrate them to God. Like the peace offering, a memorial portion of the second ram was burned on the altar, and then they also received a portion of this that they may consume it there in the holy place of the temple to have fellowship with God. But the purpose of the blood upon their right ears was to remind them that they were to listen to the word of God. And the blood upon their right thumb to remind them that they were always to do the work of God. And the blood upon their right toe was to remind them that they were always to walk in the ways of God. In addition, with this offering, it's much like a peace offering. They added the unleavened cake, one unleavened cake, a cake of bread anointed with oil, a wafer from the basket of unleavened bread that was presented there before the temple. It was put with the fat and the right thigh of the ram. Moses put the offering in the hands of Aaron and his sons that they might present them as a wave offering to the Lord. We talked about this last week. Think of a wave offering going uh, from the left to the right, a heave offering going up and down. This is a wave offering to the Lord. And then Moses took them from Aaron and his sons and burned them on the altar. Verse 28, they were consecration offerings for a sweet aroma. That was the offering made by fire to the Lord. So as the smoke ascended toward God, Moses took some of the anointing oil, mixed it with the blood that was upon the altar, sprinkled it upon Aaron and his sons, verse 30, to consecrate Aaron, his garments, his sons, and the garments of the sons with him. The offering of consecration. God told Moses about this in Exodus 30, verses 29 and 30, saying, You shall consecrate them, that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. 
You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as priest. So 31 through 36, it brings us through chapter 8 of the book of Leviticus. God instructed Aaron and his sons to remain at the door of the tabernacle for seven days where they ate the consecration offering, the grain offering, having communion with the Lord for a period of seven days. And we discover in Exodus 29, 31 through 34, of these consecration offerings, very much like a peace offering where a portion of the ram was given to the offerer, to Aaron and his sons, that they may not only consecrate and sanctify them, but that they may eat of the flesh of the consecration offerings there before the Lord. It shall not be eaten. Anything that remained in the morning should not be eaten because it's holy to the Lord. So how do we solve this? We read of one offering taking place here. And how could the offering last for seven days if they had to burn it up the next day? Well, Exodus 29:35 through 37 resolves this, where it tells us that for seven days you shall consecrate them. You shall offer a bull every day as a sin offering for atonement. You shall cleanse the altar when you make atonement for it, and you shall anoint it and sanctify it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and sanctify it, and the altar shall be most holy. Whatever touches the altar must be holy. So it wasn't a once-and-done offering, but offerings at that point began to take place there in the holy place of the temple. Before we get to chapter 9, let's look at some of the steps in consecrating Aaron and his sons. First of all, notice the washing. Before they were clothed, they were washed. This was a ceremonial washing, signifying that they would be cleansed from their sin, but also ceremonially clean for their service to God. And the Word of God tells us as believers in Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 6.11, I love this verse. Because prior to that in verse 10, it talks about some of the possibilities of the sinful lifestyles that we may have came from. And then Paul wrote, But such were some of you. And you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. No matter what we may have been, we have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been justified in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of God. So first of all, the washing signified not only this washing of their sins, but the ceremonial cleansing for their service to God. Secondly, their clothing identified them with the office of the priesthood. And so they put on their priestly garment. We are to put on faith, but we also are to put on Christ. In Galatians 3.27 it says, As many of you were baptized in Christ, you have put on Christ. And so being baptized in Christ, receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have been identified with Jesus Christ himself. Thirdly, Aaron was set apart from his sons as the anointed high priest of God. And 
Hebrews 7.26 tells us that Jesus Christ, for such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. Jesus Christ set apart, being holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. He is our great high priest. And finally, three sacrifices were offered. The first was a covering for their sins. The second declared a total dedication to God. The third consecrated them unto the service of God. And Hebrews 9.26 tells us, He has appeared to put away the sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus of himself has accomplished for us what we could not do for ourselves. We have been washed from our sins by the blood of the Lamb. We have been clothed in the garments of salvation and anointed with the Spirit of God to serve Jesus always. So chapter 9, our sin nature, we find here in Leviticus chapter 9, I wrote as key verses, again, I have two, the second half of verse 23 and all of 24, it says, Then the glory of the Lord appeared before the people, and the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and and fell to their faces. So we'll get to that toward the end of this chapter, but Leviticus chapter 9. On the eighth day, after the seven days of consecration for Aaron and his sons, Moses instructed Aaron to begin his priestly ministry as Israel's high priest by offering five offerings before the Lord, two sin offerings, a calf for Aaron and a kid goat for the people of Israel, two burnt offerings, a ram for Aaron and one yearly calf and a lamb for the people, And a peace offering, one bull and one ram, which were for the people. Each offering was to be offered in accordance to the prescribed manner, as recorded in chapters 1 through 7. They weren't to break away from the laws that the Lord had given them. And the people were to be obedient to bring the required animals before the Lord. And the Word of God tells us in verse 5 that the people drew near and stood before God as the glory of God was going to appear before them. So the congregation, all the congregation of Israel drew near. I remember they had over 600,000 men who were able to go to war. So the theory of possibly 2 million people coming and gathering together who came out of Egypt and now in the wilderness before entering into the promised land. But all the people drew near before the Lord. So everybody facing toward the tabernacle, drawing near to the Lord. They brought the offerings. And the people drew near and they waited because Moses had announced that the glory of the Lord would appear to them. So in 6 through 14, Aaron offers the sin and the burnt offering for himself, first of all. So the first offering that Aaron offers was not for the people, but it was for himself. In verses 6 and 7, it says, Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord commanded you to do, and the glory of the Lord will appear to you. Moses said to Aaron, go to the altar, make 
Offer your sin offering and your burnt offering and also make atonement for yourself and for the people. Offer the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord commanded. And so in verses 6 and 7, we have the general um, description of what Aaron was about to do, offering first the offering for himself and then an offering for the people. And then picking up in verse 8, we learn of him offering the sin offering, a young bull, as a sin offering for himself, while his sons assisted him by bringing the blood in order that he could place it on the horns of the altar. Some of the commentators see a significant, this young bull, they describe the young bull as a calf. And they see a significance in Aaron having to offer a calf as a sin offering, considering that he is the one who made the golden calf when the people sinned against the Lord, when Israel was led into the brief apostasy against God. What makes Aaron's offering fascinating is that Moses had already offered a sin offering. In fact, even the burnt offerings that were offered daily the last seven days before, and they offered these offerings a sin offering, a burnt offering. We learned about the burnt offering in chapter 1. The word tells us in verse 4 that in that burnt offering, the person, the worshiper, would be atoned for. So atonement, they would be at one with God. So in a sense, their sins were dealt with even with the burnt offering. So they had offered a sin offering. They could not leave the tabernacle for seven days. Here it is on the eighth day. And the first thing that Aaron does is offer another sin offering for himself. It reminds us of not only Aaron, but also our inherent sin nature. That the offering speaks about the need of having our sins dealt with through the blood of an animal ultimately for us through the blood of Christ. Whether intentional or unintentional or inherent sin nature, those sins need to be dealt with before we can have a right relationship with God. Isaiah 59.2 tells us, But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. So Aaron next killed the ram for a burnt offering unto the Lord while his sons again assisted him. With the blood, so he could sprinkle it upon the altar, the horns of the altar, and the burnt offering again, symbolizing that total dedication to the Lord. And then Aaron offered in verses 15 through 17 a sin and burnt offering for the people. In verses 15 through 17, he brought the people's offering, took the goat which was a sin offering for the people, and he killed it and he offered it for sin. Like the first one, he brought the burnt offering and offered it according to the prescribed manner. So just as we would read in Leviticus chapter 4, the prescribed manner of a sin offering, Aaron did that. And then he brought the grain offering, took a handful of it and burned it on the altar besides the burnt sacrifice of the morning. And so here we even learn of the... Uh, Daily offerings of a lamb in the morning, one in the evening, the burnt sacrifice in the morning, that's being referred to in verse 17. 
But beyond the regular daily offerings was this kid goat being offered in behalf of the people for their sin and a burnt offering being offered for the people to show that their consecration to the Lord. So the sin offering was a non-sweet aroma to the Lord. Uh, we never read of the sin offering or the trespass offering and the smoke ascending up to the Lord as a sweet-smelling aroma. But the burnt offering and the grain offering, that was a sweetest-smelling aroma to the Lord. And the remainder of the grain offering then belonged to Aaron and their sons. Verses 18 through 21 Aaron offers a peace offering for the people. Once Aaron and the people's sin has been atoned for, they had consecrated themselves to God through the burnt offerings. Aaron offered a peace offering before the Lord, which consists of a bull and a ram. Verses 18 through 21, he killed the bull and the ram of the sacrifices of peace offerings, which were offered for the people. And Aaron's sons presented him with the blood, which he sprinkled all around the altar, and the fat of the bull and the ram, the fatty tail that covers the entrails and the kidneys, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, and they put the fat on the breast, and he burned the fat on the altar. But the breast and the right thigh, Aaron waved as a wave offering to the Lord as Moses commanded him. So Aaron took a memorial portion, that wave offering, it was given to Aaron and his sons. It was actually given to Aaron as he was the one presenting this offering. It was his right of payment for presenting the offering before the Lord, this peace offering. Whatever, what made the peace offering unique was that the worshipers could eat a portion of this sacrifice. Thus, they could enjoy communion. I don't know how. Uh, maybe the leaders of Israel shared in a communal meal with God here. And they only had, as we read, one bull and one ram. And it could go pretty far. I've never tried to consume a whole bull at one time. I may have in my lifetime. But uh, it's probably not going to feed two million people. And so a ram, an adult lamb, one that is a year old and above, we call a lamb anything up to a year. So the ram would be a male sheep that is reached adulthood. So maybe could feed quite a few, but no doubt the leaders, the elders of Israel representing the people there communing with God there in the peace offering. 22 and 24 of chapter 9. And the glory of the Lord appeared before the people. After Aaron performed all these priestly duties, he lifted his hands. He blessed the people. I love seeing uh, pastors do this and bless the people. I probably don't do it myself because I've had four shoulder surgeries. And I mean, I can do it, but I'm not accustomed to raising my arms too much anymore. Too many surgeries have taken place on this guy. But Aaron lifted up his hands. He blessed the people. He gave them the Arianic blessing. Then he and Moses went into the tabernacle. 
And when they came out of the tabernacle, they blessed the people together, verses 23 and 24. It tells us the glory of the Lord appeared before the people and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat of the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell to their faces. So God igniting the offering, we learned Last week when they set up the tabernacle and uh, offered the first offering and God's fire came down and consumed the altar, that historically Israel said that, well, in the Bible, we don't even have to. Historically, they said that they never allowed the altar to go out. So they always kept it. What God had ignited, they kept burning until the Babylonian captivity. Um, And twice we read of God igniting the altar when the setting up of the tabernacle and then again the setting up of the temple in Solomon's temple. Today, these offerings have been fulfilled through Jesus Christ and his work upon the cross, having become our sacrifice for sin that we might be consecrated before the Lord and have peace with God. In Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of God and the glory of God. And then we read in chapter 10 a very sad portion of Scripture, but an offering of profane fire. And so verse 2, the key verse, so fire went out from the Lord, devoured them, and they died before the Lord. This is talking about Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu. Nadab and Abihu. In verses 1 through 3 it says, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer, put fire in it, puts incense on it, offered profane profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord, devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke by saying, By those who come near to me, I must be regarded as holy. Before all the people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. This had to be horrible for Aaron and his two remaining sons, their brothers being killed, fire coming out from the altar of God, consuming Nadab and Abihu. But it seems that they decided to take a little of the glory for themselves. Maybe they just got excited about the dedication of the tabernacle and they're being dedicated into the priesthood. It seems that Nadab and Abihu burned incense before the Lord in an unprescribed manner. A prescribed manner would simply mean that the um, fire in their incense and the incense that they were burned was only to be the incense that was allowed at the tabernacle. Did they use a different type of incense? I don't know. Did they use a fire from that came anywhere other than the altar. That's where the fire was supposed to come from, from the altar of sacrifice 
to burn the incense? Did they use coals from another fire? We don't know. I was really thinking about this. They don't go into detail of this unprescribed manner. They just said they offered strange fire. I saw a video of a church service and a drag queen coming down the aisle of the church service with the great cheers of the people within that church. I have to tell you that that is strange fire. That should not come into the house of God. Drag queen hour in a church, that's strange fire. So I'm kind of glad as I was thinking about this today, the profane fire in verse 1 that they offered before the Lord, that God didn't explain it. He just said that they did it. And I think because he didn't go into detail exactly what that profane fire was, it gives us grounds to be consider the very word of God and the things we do today as the church of Jesus Christ and to question, Lord, are we offering profane fire through this ministry that we call it a ministry? You may look at it as works. Are we offering profane fire? I believe in our churches today that there are many different types of profane fire being offered before the Lord. Thankfully, God doesn't always... Uh, wipe people out like he did with Nadab and Abihu. And we find that at the beginning of special, significant moves of God, the setting up of the tabernacle, the beginning of the church age in the book of Acts, we find that God sometimes answers in very harsh ways to make sure that the people understand that he is serious about the words that he had given them and that they should hold true to the word. In Hebrews 12.29, it reminds us that our God is a consuming fire. So God is a consuming fire. So it shouldn't be unusual to us that God would consume these two men for offering this strange fire there at the tabernacle of God. So in verse 4, Moses tells two of the cousins to come and to get Nadab and Abihu and to carry them out from the sanctuary. Verse 5, I, I just found this interesting. I don't know what they look like, but it said, so they went near something just fell on my head. Um, something flew on my hair. I felt that. They went near and carried them out by their tunics out of the camp. They didn't touch the bodies. They grabbed the tunics, as Moses had said. So perhaps not to defile themselves, but they took them outside of the camp. Verse 6, Moses said to Aaron, to Eliezer, and to Ithamar, his sons, Do not uncover your heads, nor tear your clothes, lest you die, and wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren and the whole house of Israel bewail the burning of the Lord has kindled. So let the people mourn, but Aaron and the two remaining sons, the brothers who lived, their brothers have just died, Aaron, his son has just died. You can't take your priestly hats off, 
You can't tear your priestly garments. You can't put ash on your hair. You can't uh, iron your body. Uh, you can't be well. You can't mourn before the Lord lest you die. And it would come not only against you, but also against the people. And they did according, verse 7, they did according to the word of the Lord. So Aaron, Eliezer, and Ithamar were not allowed to mourn for the death of their loved ones. Otherwise, God's wrath would come upon them and the children of Israel. Think about it this way. If Aaron, Eliezer, and Ithamar uncovered their heads, tore their clothes, which was customary in Israel when someone died, it could be seen as questioning God's judgment upon their loved ones. Sad to say, but Nadab and Abihu had offered a profane fire before the Lord. They were judged by God. Therefore, Eliezer, Ithamar, and Aaron as the high priest had to hold their peace. Ezekiel 24, 15 through 17, a similar situation being described to us, but not with a, a burning up of the altar. This would be uh, the loss of a wife. But also the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, behold, I take away from you the desire of your eyes with one stroke, yet you shall neither mourn nor weep nor shall your tears run down. Sigh in silence. Make no mourning for the dead. Bind your turban on your head. Put your sandals on your feet. Do not uncover your lips. Do not eat man's bread of sorrow. So even later on, Ezekiel was commanded, don't mourn that which would be considered customary. You can't do that. Aaron, his two sons, were not allowed to do that it would have meant that they would misrepresent God before the people. They had to remain loyal to the Lord, not only for themselves, but for the whole nation of Israel. So here he gives a prohibition against wine and intoxicating drink. I think Samuel's sons blow this prohibition, but for the priest... Verses 8 through 11, do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statue forever throughout your generation, that you may distinguish between holy and unholy, between unclean and clean, that you may teach the children of Israel all the statues of the Lord, which he has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. So they were as priests to distinguish between holy and unholy, between unclean and clean. They were to teach the children of the Lord all the statutes of the Lord. So therefore, they could not drink wine or intoxicating drink when they went into the tabernacle to serve before God for the people of God. And this commandment came with a death penalty. Perhaps some commentators believe Nadab and Abihu had come with wine, and that's why God struck them down. The Bible is silent to that. But a prohibition against drinking. I, I tell you that I do not drink. I don't drink wine. I don't drink intoxicating drink. So you will never find me uh, a little toasty here at the pulpit. 
The Word of God says in Ephesians 5.18, Do not be drunk with wine which is in which is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit. I can't say that word, but do not be drunk with wine. Rather be filled with the Spirit. I'd rather be filled with the Spirit of God than to be filled with any intoxicating drink. Hey, today we have... And I just can't go there, but, um, you know, they have legalized marijuana and uh, pain management and oils and such. And personally, I just have a problem with those things. I personally can't go there uh, to use such things, although my joints ache. It's not that I don't have pain. I want to make sure that my mind is clear the founder of the Calvary Chapel movement, I heard Pastor Chuck Smith once say that he would not even take an aspirin before preaching in the pulpit. If I have a headache, I will take an aspirin. I got something flying around at me today, bugging me up here. It's finding me, probably a ladybug. So we close out. Where are we? Not quite. 12 through 15, provision for the priests and their families. And they take the grain offering that remains of the offering that's offered by fire to the Lord and to eat it without leaven by the altar, for it is most holy. You shall eat it in the holy place. It is your due, verse 13, the due of your sons, for the sacrifice is made by fire. For I have commanded you the breast of the wave offering. Remember, wave offering, Verse 14, he has both of them. The breast of the wave offering, side to side. The thigh of the he offer, heave offering, up and down. You shall eat in a clean place, you, your sons, your daughters. So a clean place, not in the holy place of the temple, but they were able to bring provision through the offerings to their family. But also they had to be eaten in a clean place with their daughters so their homes could be deemed a clean place for these offerings to be consumed, no doubt. And the thigh of the heave offering, the breast offering of the wave offering shall bring the offerings of fat made by fire offered as a wave offering before the Lord. It shall be yours and your sons that with you by a statue forever as the Lord commanded. So these wave offerings, these heave offerings, were given to the priests that they not only could share in the offerings, but provide for their families as well, for their sons and daughters. Wives not mentioned, but we can assume that they also ate of these offerings. And 16 through 20 of chapter 10, the chapter closes out. Moses rebukes Aaron and his sons, Eliezer and Ithamar, for not eating the priest's portion of the sin offering in a holy place as commanded by the Lord. But Aaron reasoned with Moses, his brother, saying, Look, today our son, my sons died before the Lord. My heart was not right. He didn't take off his turban. He didn't tear his clothes. But his heart wasn't right before the Lord. He said, I could not eat the offering. And so, 19 and 20, Aaron said to Moses, Look, this day they have offered their sin offering, the burnt offering before the Lord. Such things have befallen me. If I had eaten the sin offering today, it would have been 
Would it have been accepted in the sight of the Lord? So then Moses heard that, and he was content. So at the beginning, times of new beginning, like here at the temple and the tabernacle, the setting up of the tabernacle, harsher judgments came upon those who disobeyed the commands of God. Nadab and Abihu were wiped out. In the book of Joshua, the children of Israel, when they began to take the promised land, Achan was stoned to death because he took some of the Lord's spoil from Jericho. They were not to take any of the spoil in Jericho. God said, it belongs to me. Achan took some of that spoil, and he and his household were put to death because of it. In the book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira, fell dead at the feet of Peter because they lied about keeping back some of the offering. It wasn't wrong that they they sold land and they gave some of the offering to the church. What was wrong is that they presented the offering as if that was the price that they had received for the land that they sold. They kept back a portion for themselves but then lied and presented it before the church body as if they had given everything. Because they lied, they fell dead at the feet. I'm kind of personally glad that this doesn't happen. (laughs) I wouldn't want to... And they fell dead at Pastor John's feet. It's like, all right, clean up crew, got another one here. I'm kind of glad that that doesn't happen, but it helps us to see how serious these things are were, and I believe are. One day we will all stand before God's throne and try, and if we try to stand before the Lord in any other means than the prescribed manner, that is through faith in Jesus Christ, we will be offering profane fire which will not be accepted. Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Father, we thank you for your word that you've given us this night. And I pray, Lord, that we receive something from this passage tonight. Maybe someone will hear this at a later date via the radio, through uh, the message, through the website, or through podcasting. I pray, Lord, that you'd bless the teaching of your word to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to consider profane fire, Maybe, Lord, in our own lives, we've been offering profane fire. Maybe, Lord, in our church life, there are things that we've been doing that you look at it and you see it as profane fire. If so, Lord, open our eyes to these things. Help us to see that we might walk in your ways. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that your blood cleanses all of our sins. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be with us now. Heal those, Lord, who are sick, those who are in financial need, those, Lord, who are hurting from some other reason. Perhaps they need work. Perhaps, Lord, they're in just a horrific place right now in their lives. May they look to you for their help and their hope always, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you do have questions, you're listening online through the video or at some later time, please email us at cclv at comcast.net, cclv at comcast.net. You can always look us up 
at cclv.org and find out information about our church at cclv.org. I pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you, that his grace would always be upon you and give you peace. God bless.